Truth Espresso, episode 154. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello there, this is Daniel Minnick, your host for Truth Espresso, along with my sweet and beautiful co-host and wife, Chelsea. We are uh, going to finish our two-part episode series talking about New Year's resolutions. And so, sweetheart, welcome back to doing Truth Espresso with me. Yeah, thanks, babe. Ready to talk about some New Year's resolutions from a Christian perspective again this week? Yes, looking forward to it. (laughs) So I thought I'd start this episode because we're going to get a little bit serious. Some admonition for fellow Christians out there listening to this. And before we get to the challenge to Christians from a biblical perspective on New Year's resolutions, I'd like to get a little bit lighthearted here. So I looked up some weird examples of New Year's resolutions and I thought about first, I wonder if anyone's ever made a resolution like i resolve this year to climb mount everest with my teeth <laughs> you know and and their dentures you know, <laughs> but, you know oh, i didn't find goodness. anything that weird but <laughs> i did find this article called 15 most unusual new year's resolutions and this was from back in 2017 so none none of them are covid related but <laughs> so i just picked three of them that stuck out to me as funnier than the others but <laughs> one of them and this article quotes them from other sources so this one is from parenting.com it was get a passport Not to travel, just to own a passport. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever, not as a New Year's resolution, but I've never had a passport in my life. So I've always thought about, like, should I ever just get a passport? (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe that's a good New Year's resolution. I don't know. Maybe not this year. Maybe until, if it's possible, that international travel isn't so frustrating. (laughs) Okay, so the second weirdest (laughs) or unusual resolution is collect airsick bags from every major airline. (laughs) This was from USA Today. (laughs) Yeah, so another one that's kind of airport flying related, I guess. I wonder if they still have those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On the airlines? Like, <laughs> I wonder if they have more of them for COVID or anything now, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take off your mask and <laughs> or like use imagine, the bag and then put the mask back or on. Imagine if it was like, you know how right now some flight attendants might pick on people if they're eating and stuff, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm eating the entire flight. And they're like, no, you have to pull your mask down to take a bite and immediately put it back up and stuff. But imagine if there is a rule now where it's like, okay, having to hurl into a bag is no excuse for... <laughs> 
for not for for pulling your mask down. <laughs> Okay, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> and that one was collecting the bags is from USA Today. <laughs> and now the third one that I grabbed, this one's kind of funny. This was from Mashable.com. It's to randomly sew one sequin onto every piece of clothing you own. <laughs> <laughs> obviously you know i don't know the the other two might have more utility but that one is just kind of like wrecking things i guess i mean i don't know and who has time to do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) the least productive the most waste of time for a new year's resolution now i know when we talked last week about new year's resolutions and the statistics of how often people don't really keep their new year's resolutions i wonder if anyone making these really weird ones are more successful at keeping them than the more practical more common ones like health related or finance related <laughs> it could be because they're definitely specific in that house <laughs> Oh, yeah. With reaching our goal. <laughs> yeah. uh. <laughs> so those those are some strange ones, just in case you've never heard of strange New Year's resolutions before. But probably the stranger they are, the more likely someone's going to keep them. <laughs> so if you're going to make New Year's resolutions this year, I recommend you make really strange ones. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's, uh, in case you haven't listened to the previous episode, I'd recommend it. It's not absolutely necessary for this one to make sense, but last episode from last week, uh, we went over some of the history of New Year's resolutions, showing that the practice of making New Year's resolutions is actually, in some form or other, thousands of years old, pretty much all of recorded history, and we went through the statistics about what the most common ones are now, what they used to be, and how successful or unsuccessful people are at making them. And then we went into a biblical perspective, which we're going to continue this episode. And we started the biblical perspective with the last episode to say, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. And we showed verses in scripture talking about the importance of keeping your word, not being rash above all things. Don't swear, you know, if you're going to make a promise, keep it. Seems like the scriptures are very uh, clear and emphatic about that. And an example of that was how the Apostle Paul didn't tell the Corinthians that he was going to visit them because he didn't want to let his yay be yay and nay be nay unless he was certain he would be able to make it. And now we're going to look at how Christians should think about resolutions and look at examples of Christian resolutions. You know, New Year's resolutions went from kind of a pagan religious to now more of a secular, non-religious, not very serious type of thing today. But for Christians, if we're going to make resolutions or even think about the topic of resolutions, here are some examples of Christian resolutions for permanent change. 
But before we get into that, I want to look at what the Christian life reflects, what Christian theology reflects in how we view the world. We view ourselves, we view the world, we view Christ, and Christians shouldn't think in cycles because New Year's resolutions are based on every year is a new cycle, you know, tied historically to the agricultural cycle. Every year is a new year, and there's nothing wrong with thinking about that in terms of the, you know, every year is a fresh new year to make this year a good year, but not to bind yourself in a way where your life is focused on trying and failing things tied to years. Christians shouldn't think in cycles, but in permanency and in the, and about eternity. With a focus on eternity, that's the Christian attitude toward life, because we have a meaning for life, and it's all based on Jesus Christ and the permanency of what he has done. So, as Christians, we recognize that Jesus did one sacrifice to perfect us for all time, and the writer to the Hebrews talks about this comparing with the yearly cycle in Israel. Remember, they had the year of atonement, but when Jesus came, he did one sacrifice So Hebrews 9 verses 25 through 26 shows the underlying theme for Christianity. It says, nor yet that he, referring to Jesus, should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So the writer of the Hebrews is emphasizing against what the types and shadows reflected the old sacrificial system, which you had the yearly day of atonement, the annual sacrifice, the priest entering the Holy of Holies. They tie the rope to the ankle with the bell and they can drag him out in case he didn't do it right. And he ended up dying from God punishing him for not keeping the law correctly there. Unlike this yearly atonement, (laughs) which could kind of picture New Year's resolutions there every year. Jesus' sacrifice was done once, and it says to put away sin. So the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ is sufficient to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself as the perfect lamb. And because it's a one-time sacrifice, it's sufficient as a one-time sacrifice. He didn't have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. And so, Christians, we look forward We start with the basis of once for all time, and we look forward. That uh, carries us on to eternity, and that's how we should look at resolutions to reflect the eternity and the permanency of our life in Christ. I really like that understanding and perspective that you were sharing about just thinking more of what Christ has done for us and just the hope that we have in that 
hearts. And I think that it's easy in our sinful nature to just lose sight of that and to think that, okay, it's something that we have to do and we have to earn Mm. and constantly strive for. But just remembering like, okay, no, Christ said it was finished Mm. and that we still have the flesh and we still struggle with sin and have to deal with that. But just knowing like, okay, our sins are forgiven and that is a sealed deal. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, when I say the permanency of Christianity, where I'm not talking about sinless perfection or anything like that. I'm not like once you get saved, now you're you live a perfect life until you die as a result of the sins you've done before you're saved. The Christian life is a constant battle against sin, but then as we sin, we recognize by the power of Christ, the blood of his atonement, I can resolve to fight this until I, <laughs> until Christ takes me home. And as we sin, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can ask forgiveness and obtain forgiveness based on the sacrifice of Christ. And it's not like if we sin, then it's like, okay, dope. I just ruined my year. Let me, you know, wait to the beginning of next year and try to start afresh. No, we, (laughs) as we realize that we need to do better, we resolve to make it better as soon as we're aware that we need to make it better. (laughs) So I really like this passage in Proverbs 28, verse 13. It says, he that covereth his sins Mm. shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Oh, yeah. So just like that, (laughs) it's kind of like, all right, don't be putting off something that you need to fix right now and keep covering it until that next year. This is something you can resolve right now and like forsaking it. So letting it go, giving it to God, asking for forgiveness, and then moving on. I think a lot of times it's a struggle to remember that you are forgiven for that. Like, mm. okay, yeah. I confess my sins. I know Christ forgave me. Now I need to let it go and move forward. I think it was in First Peter. I don't have it in my notes. First Peter chapter 1 where it mentions about the one who forgot that he was purged from his old sins, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you add to your faith patience and hope and stuff, you know, you'd never fall. Like, okay, forgetting that you're purged from your old sins, you know. Or like Paul when he says to put away the old man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> put on the new man, yeah. Put on Christ, put away the old man. Yeah, that doesn't sound like, you know, something you do every year. (laughs) Yeah. Another passage is an example of how Christians shouldn't think in cycles. If you look at Second Peter chapter 3, this is the one where the chapter where Peter talks about eschatology, basically. It's like the scoffers, you know, he says in verses 3 through 4, knowing this first that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And if I recall correctly from some of my studies, uh, uh, it seems like Peter also had in mind the Stoics <laughs> of this time. They're like a, a branch of Greek philosophy that also believed that the creation kind of had these long cycles where everything would expand and 
collapse, you know, get destroyed, be recreated anew, get destroyed, you know, in an infinite cycle. But Peter against those is saying, you know, they're ignorant of the fact that God destroyed the world that then was by a flood. And then now the world is reserved to fire against the day of judgment. And Christ will come as a thief in the night in which everything is burned up. And based on that, that there's a definite end of which Christ is in control, that in verses 11 through 13, he says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? You know, conversation means conduct looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. So we have this outlook of against the scoffers who think everything continues (laughs) as it was and cycles, Peter's like, okay, there was a day of judgment with the flood and Noah's day against sin. You know, there is a day of reckoning. And then there is the day of judgment by fire with Christ's return. And there will be new heavens and new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And that is eternal. And because this is true, what manner of person should we be in godliness? You know, so that's what motivates us to be godly because we have a savior who did one sacrifice and also will have one day of his second coming. He isn't going to come again and again and again. He isn't going to destroy, make new heavens and new earth and then destroy them. It's once (laughs) and forever. And that is how we understand as Christians and uh, the reason that we have with the sovereign Lord here to (laughs) struggle for righteousness sake. (laughs) I like how you brought up the verse. Can't remember where that's from, but about how he will come as a thief in the night and just kind of thinking in our Christian walk that you want to be ready. Like you Mm. don't want to put off what you can do today. I know Mm. that's like an old (laughs) proverb, but just thinking of, okay, we don't know when Christ's return is and just being mindful of, okay, I want to serve God the best I can today. And yeah. If there's something like a sin or a struggle that I need to deal with, I need to deal with that today and not put it off because we don't have the guarantee of tomorrow. Mm. And that seems like a lot of New Year's resolutions encourage procrastination (laughs) there where it's like, okay, say you're in November and you're thinking about your New Year's resolutions and it's like, okay, say someone does their health-related resolution. It's like, okay, well, I have a month to be, (laughs) you know, bad about it until the, the first of the year and then I'll start working on it and then, or other ones, maybe Maybe someone makes a New Year's resolution and says, I resolve this year to do this particular activity. And then it's like, okay, well, I'll just wait and wait and wait until it's like toward the end of the year. And then by then they might have forgotten that resolution, you know. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) that's not how Christians should look at what is good to do is, you know, is not to procrastinate, you know. 
given that Jesus, as you said, comes as a thief of the night, that Peter mentioned in a verse I didn't quote here from the same chapter there, that what manner of persons should we be in holy conduct and godliness, you know, because we're looking for the coming of the day of God. <laughs> so I think this verse is kind of interesting. First mm-hmm. Timothy 5, 8. So it says, for bodily exercise profiteth little <laughs> but godliness yeah. is profitable unto all things oh, yeah. <laughs> so i just thought that was kind of a cool verse thinking yeah. about a lot of the common new year's resolutions so mm. it's like okay yes exercise and health is good and it yeah. does you know prolong your life it helps your mood mm. it's a good thing to do and that's what this verse is saying it is good but it's not as good as actually working on mm-hmm. your heart, working on that inward part of you that produces godliness. And I just thought that yeah. verse was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like to show where our ultimate priority should be. I'm sure Paul writing that to the Corinthians, a lot of them were probably even... Oh, Timothy. Oh, Timothy. Oh, okay. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He did write to the Corinthians. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. My illustration that I was going to give was going to fall apart. <laughs> but oh. I was thinking, okay, well, Paul did write to the Corinthians with terms having to do with beating the air, you know, practicing punching or running in a race and so on to the Corinthians. And Corinth would be where some of the Olympics would be held. And I'm sure a lot of them were trying to get into that, you know, and they'd probably make some New Year's resolutions like, I'm going to resolve to um, work my myself to be able to bench 300 this year i gotta get to that (laughs) if they had benches (laughs) for weightlifting but yeah (laughs) yeah and he's gonna let timothy know and just like he let the corinthians know with the illustrations there you know bodily exercise although it does profit it's it doesn't profit you eternally you know and that's the point that paul's making there you know godliness does matter for eternity so christian If you're going (laughs) to resolve this year as a Christian, resolve toward godliness, and I don't mean in the New Year's resolution sense, I mean in the, from this moment forward, I will resolve to live more godly. (laughs) Hello, this is Keith Helsley of Quest for Truth. And I'm Nathan Caldwell. Together, we talk about worldviews. Things that affect our pop culture today. We role-play the viewpoints represented. We sift through some of the faulty logic in them. And compare them to what scripture says. Once a month, we dig into the Bible. Going through one book at a time. One verse or phrase at a time. Exposing the truth in scripture. Truth exposed. Hey, that sounds like a good name for a podcast. I like it. How about explicit truth? No. Hmm. How about naked truth? No, no, no. Check out Truth Exposed on the first week every month. You missed something, Keith. Our audio drama. As long as our protectorate players have all their parts in. And our lazy script department has the scripts ready. Um, isn't that you? 
Make that our hard-working script department. Watch for new audio dramas on the third week of the month. Quest for truth. Because if it's true, it's true inside the Bible as well as outside the Bible. Check out life-truth.com. That'll bring us to examples of Christian resolutions for permanent change that differ from, you know, your typical New Year's resolution. Passages from the scriptures here. And we see plenty of passages that show this kind of permanency based on the work of Christ. And one example is Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so there's an admonition to the Galatians there who are struggling with Judaism. And yeah, I know a lot of, like, say, evangelicals might look at this verse and think, like, I'm not going to entangle myself in bondage. You know, I live freely as an evangelical. You know, plenty of Christians will find themselves struggling with some form of legalism. But Paul's admonition here is to recognize and understand the liberty that we have with Christ and be not entangled. Like from this moment forward, given what you know, Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. It's a permanent resolution there. (laughs) So I remember going through a Sunday school curriculum. Wow. Okay, I must have been in college at that point. And we were going through just kind of what this verse is talking about and looking at the children of Israel Mm -hmm. in Exodus and how they were free from slavery. They Mm -hmm. were out of bondage. But what did they keep asking? (laughs) They wanted to go back to Egypt where they were slaves and tortured and starved. And (laughs) and so I think like even us as Christians, we tend to want to keep going back Mm. to that Egypt place. Like, okay, wait, somehow there is some sort of comfort there. Mm. And so we keep wanting to go back to that bondage. And here in this verse you just read, it's talking about like, no, don't go back there again. (laughs) You're free. Like, now yeah. live your life and yeah because like a lot of people you know i know is it benjamin franklin if we're talking about like say a political example you know like those who something to do with seeking security who will give up essential liberty for security will get neither liberty nor security you know because mm. even today when we're talking about the things going on today, you know, with the crazy authoritarian governments, those of us who can see attacks on freedom, other people don't see it or they just see all they see is security being offered. And so a lot of people are willing to give up the freedom that they have and place themselves voluntarily in bondage because they feel like it helps make them safe or secure. And I think that's the struggle that the Israelites had that you mentioned, Zoe Hart, like, okay, they they think their freedom in the wilderness, you know, they, they actually, they didn't have taskmasters whipping their backs, and yet they're willing to go back to that because they gave us food, you know, we knew what we had to do, all we had to do was just do what they said, and they fed us, you know, <laughs> once they're free, they realize, well, that means responsibility, and being free in Christ means, you know, you live your life in light of Christ yoke that's easy and burden is light (laughs) and as it's liberal
liberty where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And yet, I mean, still we see the responsibility of living free in Christ, but sometimes people want to place themselves in the bondage of legalism if they feel like, okay, well, I can figure out here's a checklist of things that I could do, even if it's a law, it's just... Well, as long as I do that, then I feel safe and secure. But so liberty sometimes is not easy for people to accept. And Paul says, given what Christ has done, stand fast in the liberty. Don't let anyone entangle you in the yoke of bondage. So another passage I have that shows a Christian resolution for permanent change is Ephesians 4 verses 28 through 29. Paul says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. He isn't saying, I resolve to say 10 good things about my friends or something, or I resolve to reduce my thefts from 10 to 5 or something like that, you know, <laughs> or I resolve to steal less, you know, he says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather work and give to charity. It seems like, a, you know, this is a transformation, a permanent transformation for the Christian life. Now, here's another good passage. 1 Peter has some good verses in here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 11. So, verse 1, Peter says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Doesn't sound like your typical New Year's resolution. <laughs> Therefore, just cast it all away. <laughs> just leave that behind. In verse 11, Peter says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Not, <laughs> I resolve to reduce my lusts, you know, by 30%, you know, but abstain from them. You know, it's a command that you should obey from this point forward. That's another good uh, Christian resolution right there. <laughs> Mm. So I like might have mentioned this verse in our last episode, but one of my favorite verses is in Lamentations 3, verse 23, mm. where it's talking about God's mercies are new every morning. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> every yeah. morning. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like we can feel defeated that, oh, man, we messed up today. Mm. And then you just give up. And if you remember this verse that, okay, but wait, God's mercies are new every morning. So tomorrow's a new day. We don't have to wait for the whole another year to restart. (laughs) But God's mercies are new every morning. Mm. And I just love that picture. But also thinking of in Ephesians when Paul is telling us Christians to put on the whole armor of God Mm. to withstand the wiles of the devil And I think that's something that we do every day. Mm, We have to put on the armor. We have to stand up and we have to guard our hearts and our minds. And that's not something we do once a year or Mm. once a week at church. Like that's something that we have to do actively every Mm. day. And part of doing that is being in God's word, being in prayer 
And I think that those verses, they're not there for discouraging us. They're Hmm. there to encourage us and (laughs) be like, wait, there's hope. Let's, you know, do this and encourage each other. Reminds me, which I don't have written down, the Apostle Paul saying, I die daily, (laughs) as you mentioned there. And, Mm -hmm. And he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I live, I live henceforth. The one who died for me and rose again. You know, so that, you know, reflects the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ is, you know, our, his death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. We're crucified with him. We're raised with him to walk in newness of life, as Romans 6 says. Now, from 1 Peter again, chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, here's more, you know, no longers. This is a, you know, permanent commitment here. For Christians, here Peter says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Now, this passage is kind of interesting because it does kind of make me think of secular New Year's resolutions where the Gentiles, <laughs> they live in this kind of riotous life of excess and gluttony and getting drunk and stuff like that, you know. And then Peter's saying, they think it's strange that you don't do this with them, you know, and they speak evil of you, you know, they make fun of you, <laughs> they lie about you and stuff but he says that compared with that we no longer should live the rest of our time in the flesh to the lusts of men but to the will of god so there's this distinction between the resurrected life versus the regenerate life versus the gentile life of you know (laughs) ups and downs riotous living and (laughs) and New Year's resolutions that are based on secular reasons and stuff, you know, oh, let me just get drunk and then I'll resolve to do something simple and, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I think these are good verses for younger people listening to this that may struggle more with that peer pressure and people kind Mm. of, you know, making fun of them for not going out after work to drink or not going to parties on college campus and different things like that, that they can feel that pressure of like, okay, I'm not doing what everyone else is doing and kind of give into that. But this is a good passage to encourage them. Like, no, those are the ways that the Bible's telling us are not good ways. And just to stand firm and trust in God to give you the strength to stand for his truth and not give in to that pressure, which I know can be really hard, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Christianity is not like, oh, if uh, I'll just let myself slip and better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And and then just, I just slipped. So next year I'll do it better. But just like the constant battle, the constant trust in God, (laughs) I feel myself tempted, but God give me strength, (laughs) you know, 
the point we need to make here, it's not our own strength <laughs> for the Christian life here. It is the power, it is the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ, you know, and, th- and that is what enables us to <laughs> strive to make our whole life from justification forward to be a life lived consciously and constantly for Christ. Sorry, that just reminded me of another verse. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the more, the merrier. <laughs> so, Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Mm. So, oh, I think, yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of times we think, oh, okay, I'm going to, like, plan this whole situation out, but, mm. like, remembering, okay, but... God's the one that will actually lead us and direct our steps. And that is kind of comforting in some ways to (laughs) be like, okay, I can trust God because he's faithful and he is always there. Like he doesn't leave us and he wants the best for us. So I think that when we can remember that it is Christ in us that helps us through our daily walks and not in of our own self. Because I think we fail so much Uh, and God doesn't fail us. So I think that, yeah, it's just kind of comforting. Good points there, sweetheart. And if I was to make a a third point in the notes here, it would be, you know, our dependence, our trust is on God. You know, he won't fail us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's not in our own strength. The final passage on a leave, which I mentioned earlier, Romans chapter 6, verses 21 through 22, the apostle Paul said, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So that is both challenging and very encouraging, you know, because the fruit, the end of our lives, (laughs) our lives here on this earth is everlasting life. You know, we have fruit unto holiness and the end is everlasting life. We look forward to eternity. That is our aim. That is our life. And that is how we, through Christ being made free from sin, we're servants of God. We don't make ourselves servants of God. We're not servants of God sometimes. And from henceforth, having been justified, we are servants of God. And that's what we get. We get to do that. We get to live the Christian life and we get to trust God and we get to look forward to eternity and not just a new year. So another one of my favorite passages, Mm -hmm. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. I was just thinking like, this is a good passage to just remember that our strength and our direction comes from God. So it says, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, 
and they shall walk and not faint. <laughs> That's definitely a good passage to end this we are because then we think about the fact, you know, isn't it nice that God doesn't have to make New Year's resolutions? <laughs> you know, God doesn't get weary. God doesn't faint. God doesn't have to sleep. Just like, uh, you know, Elijah would accuse the gods on, on the mountain there of, you know, maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he's on a, uh, he's on vacation. He's on a potty break. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that, and I think it was episode 10 of Truth Espresso about the dark humor in the Bible. <laughs> but 10 or 11, something like that. But it's great to know that, you know, God himself, who's perfect, he doesn't have to uh, stumble and make New Year's resolutions to be better here, you know, and he's the one who gives, can give us strength so that when we stumble, we can get up, you know, we can run and not be weary and walk and not faint. And that sounds like the promise of the Christian life. (laughs) And I think it's cool that God wants to do that for Mm. us. Like he wants to help us and yeah. like share our load and give us strength it's not like oh man they just failed again now i need to come and help them up but <laughs> yeah it's like he just has that amazing love for us mm. that he yeah. desires to do that and he wants to help us so yeah he gives strength to the weary he doesn't say strengthen yourselves weary person then i'll be merciful no he gives <laughs> strength to the weary <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah so we'd like to encourage you to consider the challenges here this episode and as christians we should not be thinking about now we're not gonna like lash out at you if you make new year's resolutions but in the context of <laughs> the way the world thinks about new year's resolutions let's make some christian resolutions let's look at this from a christian perspective and if you're going to make a resolution make it for godliness make it for the christian life and resolve realize you don't have to wait if you see something you need to do just Resolve right then and there and resolve to continue the fight. (laughs) Fight against the flesh with the help of God, the strength of God, and say, right now I resolve to change, and right now I resolve to change forever. (laughs) As much as God gives me strength, I'm going to fight this battle to the end of days. (laughs) And so, hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth Espresso, and stay tuned for the next one. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 